You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Pancreatic cancer, perhaps the most devastating diagnosis a patient can receive. But are we finally making some strides in this frustrating area? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host. And with me today is Dr. Ralph Rubin, Professor of Pathology and Oncology at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Director of the Sal Goldman Pancreatic Research Center, and truly one of the world's foremost authorities on pancreatic cancer. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Rubin. Lee, thank you for having me. Dr. Rubin, when I have a patient with me, and either because of family history or perhaps through a more sophisticated method like the PancPro probability score, we decide this patient is an increased risk for pancreatic cancer. What should our next steps be? That's a great question. So obviously one ideal thing would be to screen them for early precursor lesions, that is the precancerous lesions that give rise to invasive pancreatic cancer. Unfortunately, the reality is the vast majority of these patients will uh, not be identified until they have developed invasive uh, pancreatic cancer. And so much of our research effort is focused on trying to develop new therapies uh, for pancreatic cancer and new therapies based on our understanding that pancreatic cancer is fundamentally a genetic disease. So the question is, how can we take our knowledge of the genetic alterations that characterize pancreatic cancer and translate them into new therapies for patients? I know that you're doing this uh, through your National Familial Pancreatic Tumor Registry, and we encourage patients and doctors who have pancreatic cancer, have a relative with pancreatic cancer, a patient, to register so we can study this. Can you give us the contact information again, Dr. Rubin? Sure. Thank you for asking. It's The phone number is 410-955-3502. The email address is pancreas at jhmi. I know that you have done some interesting research, you and your colleagues at Johns Hopkins. Can you describe briefly how you've made strides with people who have been identified at increased risk? Sure. So let me give you a specific example, and this is work from my colleague Scott Kern. So individuals who inherit a, a mutation in the second breast cancer gene, BRCA2, have an increased risk of developing pancreatic cancer. So the question that Scott then asked is, knowing that BRCA2 is genetically inactivated in a significant fraction of pancreatic cancers, can we take advantage of that and develop therapies that specifically target, if you will, the Achilles heel of pancreatic cancer? So studying the BRCA2 pathway, it turns out that the BRCA2 gene makes a protein that plays an important role in the Fanconi anemia pathway. Fanconi anemia pathway, as you may know, is a pathway which the cells use to repair DNA cross-linking damage. So Scott hypothesized that if pancreatic cancers, which have inactivated BRCA2, can't repair DNA cross-linking damage because they no longer make functional BRCA2, can we treat pancreatic cancers with agents that specifically cause DNA cross-linking? The idea there being that every cell in the person's body will have one good copy of BRCA2 and will be able to repair this damage, while the cancers which have biallelically inactivated the BRCA2 gene will not be, and they'll therefore be specifically sensitive to DNA cross-linking damage. So in the laboratory, Scott has examined this using mitomycin C and radiation, and sure enough, the pancreatic cancers 
that have a BRCA2 mutation, or for that matter, pancreatic cancers with a Fanconi gene mutation, are exquisitely sensitive to mitomycin C and to radiation, suggesting that patients with a pancreatic cancer that's genetically inactivated BRCA2 may benefit from mitomycin C or radiation. And indeed, now at, uh, here at Johns Hopkins, we've started a clinical trial in which patients with pancreatic cancer are tested for uh, inherited or germline BRCA2 mutations. Those who are found to be wild type will undergo standard therapy, while those that are found to have a BRCA2 mutation will undergo experimental therapy with mitomycin C or radiation. The idea there being you can spare the patients the toxicity who don't have a BRCA2 mutation while giving the drug to the patients who will benefit from it the most. That's interesting. So very specifically tailoring therapy for patients who would benefit from it. To extend that even further, my colleagues Manny Hidalgo and Antonio Jimeno here at Johns Hopkins are, have developed a program of individualized therapy. And in this program, patients who undergo surgery here at Johns Hopkins had their pancreatic cancers xenografted into nude mice. These are mice that lack an immune system, and so the resected pancreatic cancer will grow in the mice. When it becomes large enough, they mince it into 50 pieces and then implant this one person's pancreatic cancer into 50 different mice. They can then treat groups of five mice with one of 10 different drugs and see which drug is the most effective in treating that person's pancreatic cancer. So let's say a year or two after surgery, should the individual recur, they can then be treated with the drug that was shown to be effective on, in their tumor in the nude mouse model. Again, very specifically down to the individual at this point, tailoring therapy that, that should be helpful. Yes, absolutely. And I think obviously the goal is not to xenograft every, everybody's pancreatic cancer, but rather than to study these cancers at the molecular level, at the RNA level or the DNA level, and identify uh, gene expression patterns or genetic alterations that predict who will respond to which particular drug. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ralph Rubin, Professor of Pathology and Oncology at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and Director of the Sal Goldman Pancreatic Research Center. And we are discussing some newer insights into diagnosis and treatment of pancreatic cancer. Dr. Rubin, in terms of diagnosis, are you aware of any work that is going on in terms of particular proteins or things that we can look at either biochemically in patients at risk, or are we really at the point where we still have to rely on imaging? That's a great question. So in addition to studying pancreatic cancer at the DNA level, we have a, here at Hopkins an extensive effort to study gene expression patterns at the RNA and protein level. So we've used a, a number of different technologies, one that was developed here by Victor Velkulascu and Bert Vogelstein called serial analysis of gene expression. Others are more common affymetrics gene expression arrays. Using these various technologies, we've compared the gene expression patterns in surgically resected pancreatic cancers to normal pancreas and have identified a number of genes that are made at higher levels in the cancer and not in normal tissues. These then are obviously uh, potential biomarkers for pancreatic cancer. Second step after we've identified them is to determine when they're expressed in the development of pancreatic neoplasia. Are these uh, markers expressed very early in precancerous lesions? Are they expressed in high-grade lesions with dysplasia but no invasion? Or are they only expressed in invasive cancers? 
Obviously, those that are expressed in invasive cancers would be great targets for therapy. Those that are expressed in the high-grade precancerous lesions may be good markers for early detection, and those that are expressed in the low-grade lesions would be markers for prevention or targets for prevention. So we've done that now on a large number of different markers, and some of them have been very exciting. Let me give you one particular example. Early on when the serial analysis of gene expression, when we conducted a study of pancreatic cancer using this technology, we actually did this in collaboration with the NIH, and all the data were put online so anybody could have access to it. And I went into my sweet mate's office next to mine and said to Dr. Argani, hey, look at this. You can compare gene expression patterns in pancreatic cancer to normal tissue, and you can do it on the Internet. And, you know, up popped a gene made at very high levels in pancreatic cancer called mesothelin, not made in normal pancreas. So as soon as we found this, doing this virtual research, if you will, we quickly realized anybody can do this. So we had to run and quickly confirm it by showing at the immunohistochemical level the protein was made. And we reported this as a, as a molecule overexpressed in pancreatic cancer. It's kind of interesting because we shared this result with our colleague Liz Jaffe and Dan Lahiru, who are working on developing a pancreatic cancer vaccine as a way of treating patients with pancreatic cancer. They had already treated a number of their patients with uh, this whole cell vaccine, and they didn't know what the protein was, what the antigen was in the vaccine that the immune system was recognizing. So we told them about mesothelin, that it's expressed at high levels in pancreatic cancer, and they went back and looked at their patients, and it turned out that those patients who responded to the whole cell vaccine also showed an increased number of circulating anti-mesothelin T-cells. This is strong evidence that the one of the immunogens that the vaccine is effective targeting is mesothelin. So I think really just a, a neat story and a wonderful collaborative effort. Absolutely. And, and if we could identify something similar that was expressed by precursor lesions very early, the next step would be a, a PSA type of uh, a screening blood test? Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. Just as there's a PSA test for early prostate cancer, so too do we want when you go to your physician or when you're a physician, you order a PSA, you have to say, think a minute and say, wait, am I ordering prostate-specific antigen or pancreas-specific antigen? I really want to thank you, Dr. Rubin, for being with us and discussing the genetics of pancreatic cancer and not simply just the genetics, but some of the steps that are being taken that will let us actually help these patients, pick them up early, perhaps treat them, advances in an area that previously had been a dismal death sentence for patients. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.